I hate to tell you things are going to go wrong. And when things go wrong, you have to have a systematic process. You have to have a plan that you can follow so you can stay calm, stay cool, and quickly figure out how to troubleshoot. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Space Fire. This is the podcast, this is the place for anyone that performs on stage with Ableton Live. If that's you, you're in the right place. If not, just stick around, because this is gonna be very informative. In fact, today's episode is something that I think can apply to not just being on stage, not just using Ableton Live, but can really apply to all aspects of life, because I think all of life is essentially solving problems and, and figuring out why something doesn't work. I joke often that my whole job is just basically figuring out why something doesn't work, capturing that on video and then sharing it with other people. That's like my whole kind of purpose in life. Um, and so today what we're gonna do, we're gonna listen back to a previous episode. This is episode 11 of Behind the Space Bar, How to Troubleshoot. And in it, I wanted to pull this up as a recap because this is very, very important. It's a very tactical, step-by-step -step process to follow when it comes to troubleshooting that you can listen to and again, apply to really any aspect of using Ableton Live. Um, it's, it's super, super beneficial, super important. So listen to this episode with me and then make sure to stick around because at the end, I'm going to wrap up with some fresh thoughts, some new thoughts that uh, you've never heard before and I don't want you to miss it. So let's dive in and I'll see you here in a second. I think I'm going to share uh, really four kind of steps in order to troubleshoot and to troubleshoot well. Uh, but the first step is maybe the most important. And it's the one that's easy to gloss over because it's not a technical thing. But if you're in a situation where something goes wrong, particularly in a live performance scenario, you're on stage, you're doing production off stage, whatever it is, but it's in a live kind of performance venue and space. Um, the most important thing you can do is just to stop and breathe, right? Just stop and take a deep breath. Uh, and the reason that's super important is um, it's really easy when something goes wrong to just think immediately, I got to go, I got to go fix it. But when we get in that mindset, when we're in that mindset, um, it's really easy for us to forget simple things. It's easy for us to gloss over an, an obvious mistake. And we'll talk about why sometimes most common cause of issues is common, simple things. But um, I think this is the most important piece because if we just can pause and just take a deep breath, it's going to isolate us. It's going to remove us from the scenario for a moment. It's going to do two things. One, uh, it's going to kind of give us a reset. And so things are going crazy. People get panicked. People get stressed. Just going to pause, take a deep breath. That's going to isolate us from the, from the situation. It's going to help us kind of reset. But then I think the other benefit of that is uh, because it's isolating us from the scenario, sometimes it's almost like we can then see the scenario from a bird's eye view as opposed to being in the moment and being stressed and unplugging cables and just starting to go crazy. Um, we can kind of see it from a bird's eye view. And that's really the approach you need to take when it comes to troubleshooting is um, you can't be stressed. You, you can't be panicked because if you are stressed or panicked, uh, again, you're going to miss simple things. You're going to gloss over simple things. Um, and, and it's, it's just something you've got to be in the moment and you've got to be able to think really systematically. You've got to visualize and we'll, we'll talk about all those, those tips and tricks, but, um, you've got to be in the moment, but you also have to be kind of, uh, outside of the moment, looking over, being able to remove yourself from the potential panic, um, of the scenario. Another tip, and this is not on my, my notes that I made, but another tip kind of related to this that my buddy Al always talks about is. If you're in a scenario where, let's say you're on stage, uh, you're a musician um, uh, or you're a playback tech off stage, but you're troubleshooting an issue with Ableton Live. Uh, let's say it's rehearsal 
the show's about to start. Um, you know, maybe you're like sound checking or something. Doors are in 15 minutes and uh, some sort of automation you're doing isn't working. Let's say that's the scenario we're in. Um, my buddy always brings this up as an example of um, something goes wrong. A lot of times you'll get people that kind of flock to you and come over and the drummer comes over, the bassist comes over, the tour manager comes over, the artist comes over and everyone just kind of starts to crowd around and that's not a great environment to work in. So Al always suggests, Hey, in a moment like that, just tell everybody, Hey, listen, um, I just need a couple moments to fix this. Give me two minutes and it will be fixed or, uh, give me two minutes and I'll report back and let you know where we are. But I just need a little bit of space to kind of focus on my own. And taking that deep breath and maybe mentioning that to people just to let them know, like, you guys kind of have to back up right now. You got to give me some space. And there's kinder ways to say that than like, bro, you need to back up. Um, maybe that's the way you say it to, to get that space. But uh, that's a real helpful thing as well, too. So that's kind of a bonus tip that's thrown in there. Okay, before we dive into the rest of this steps two through four, I essentially want to give you an idea of um, um, hopefully a foundation, a, a framework to kind of think of troubleshooting. Um Sometimes we think of it as a really difficult thing. We get in highly technical fields and uh, signal flow and whether it's it's video routing or audio routing or we're going from Ableton to control this automation thing to control that automation thing. It's really easy to suddenly feel like um, this is a difficult thing. Like it's, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. But troubleshooting is essentially two steps. It's, it's two things when we think of kind of paths. Number one is we need to find the problem. We need to figure out what's the problem, what's going on. And then number two, we need to fix the problem. So we're going to find the problem. And then two, we're going to fix the problem. Okay. So um, now let's dive into this. So uh, essentially all the troubleshooting is doing two things. That's our framework we're working from. We're finding the problem. We're fixing the problem. Uh, let's talk about number two. How do we find the problem? How can we quickly find the problem? Here's, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five really quick tips I have. And this is going to be a pretty short episode. I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly. Uh, but five really quick-ish tips that I have for finding the problem. Uh, number one is visualize the path, visualize the signal flow. Uh, if you need to, I mean, I've got a pen and some paper here. Like even if you if you really needed to grab a piece of paper, grab a pen um, and draw out the signal flow. Like uh, you pausing, you taking the moment to think through the signal flow, even getting to the point of, Again, I mean, if it's a quick solution, you're on stage, something goes wrong. Hopefully you can do this in the matter of five to 10 seconds. But let's say it is doors open in 15 minutes. You've got a problem. It's a pretty complex problem. The only way for you to understand it is to take a minute and draw out a kind of rough signal flow diagram. If you take that minute to figure that out and it helps you solve the problem in three minutes as opposed to trying to keep it all in your brain and think through it in your brain and not feel really confident or comfortable about um, the signal flow unless you write it out. And that ends up taking 12 minutes. Well, which one's better? Take the minute to write that out if you need to. So if, if you need to write it out, great. If not, just close your eyes for a second and visualize the signal path. Like, let's take this microphone right now. So I've got this microphone, which is a, a, on a mic stand, which I have an XLR cable. The XLR cable goes from here into my audio interface. My audio interface is connected to my computer via a Thunderbolt cable. Okay. And then the, this particular hard, uh, hardware interface allows me to run plugins off of the hardware. So if I look at the plugin, actually, let's open the plugin chain here so I can look at this. 
if I look at this plugin chain, I have like a preamp model loaded in, I have a channel strip loaded in, and I have a, a, a compressor type model loaded into this as well too. So if something goes wrong with, and then let's go out of there, let's how do I get into my ATEM that I'm recording from? Okay, I've got an output of the interface that then is going into uh, an input, the mic input on my ATEM. So if something goes wrong in this chain, it could be one of many things. It could be the XLR cable. It could be the mic itself. It could be the ATEM. It could be the cable going from the ATEM to the interface. It could be the cable going from the interface to the computer that's maybe not connected properly. It could be one of the many plugins that's loaded onto this vocal chain that I'm using to get to the ATEM. That might feel overwhelming, but just for me visualizing that process and, and thinking through that process, that actually helps me understand everything that's involved, all the, the many different variables that are involved in this. And that's going to help me as I walk throughout this process to, again, to number one, find the problem and then to fix the problem. So the second thing I do, so first, visualize the path signal flow, um, a, a skill that if I'm talking to someone who's interested in live production, if I understand that, or if I get a sense that they really understand signal flow, whether it's audio or video, or they have the brain capacity or the tools or the skills to like figure out signal flow or draw out a signal flow diagram, then they're going to go pretty far in this because that's just a, a tool that can transfer between audio to video, um, even to networking, to, uh, you know, creating a connected stage, network stage experience. Um, all of those are really, really similar processes. And if you can get it in one scenario, in one domain, it, it kind of carries over to the other. But um, uh, number one, visualize the past signal flow. Number two, uh, change only one thing at a time. So as you're trying to figure out, find the problem, we're not at fixing the problem yet. We're just simply finding the problem. As you're thinking through your chain, change one thing at a time. Don't unplug your XLR cable, add a new XLR cable, get a new mic, change the Thunderbolt cable going from your interface to your computer. Because if you do that, if you change multiple variables at once, you're not going to know what the problem was in the first place. And you might be in a scenario where you're kind of like making the problem worse by swapping out variables as opposed to just one thing, right? So as you go to find the problem, change one thing at a time. Think about your signal flow, uh, start on either one end or the other and work your way through. Uh, it's a potential scenario. But only do one thing at a time, change one thing at a time to test it to see if that works. Third thing, and this is maybe the most important part of all this, I definitely think pausing and stopping to breathe is the most important. But in this process of finding the thing, one of the most important things that hopefully I can impart to you is start with the simple things. The two number one problems that are, I would say 95% of the time are, are the cause of issues when it comes to troubleshooting 95% of the time, it's comes down to two things. Is it plugged in? Is it powered on? Is your power turned off? Is your cable plugged in? A story I often tell is, uh, when I was living in Florida, uh, I was on staff at a church there I was playing guitar, um, on stage and doing tracks and, and stuff for Ableton. And, um, I, I remember one time playing acoustic guitar at the time and, uh, this was, this was pretty old. So we had, uh, floor wedges. I mean, this is a while ago. So we had floor wedges, uh, as opposed to in-ears, <coughs> excuse me. And I remember, uh, me not being able to hear my guitar and the, and the floor wedge. And so I talked to our worship leader who then communicated to the audio engineer and said, Hey, Will needs a little more, uh, acoustic in his ears. He said, all right, go ahead and play. So I played and the, um, sound engineer said, I'm, I'm not getting acoustic. And I thought, Oh, you know, and it's just on those moments you're like super frustrated and, and things aren't going right. And you're just like, ah, oh, this guy's an idiot. Why can't he, 
you turn my acoustic up and it's it's everyone's fault and it's everyone's problem but yours and then i look down on the ground and i see my quarter inch cable coming out of my tuner that's just the other end is laying on the ground as opposed to going into my acoustic guitar and um i said oh okay so i mute my acoustic and uh i told the the uh, worship leader to relay this to the audio engineer i said tell him it's a high impedance air gap so he told him and the guy kind of chuckled and realized what it was so then i went and grabbed my guitar cable plugged that into my acoustic and uh, muted my tuner and everything was good and that was a scenario where if i would have just went okay and then said is it plugged in nope it's not plugged in grab the cable and we're good to go i i would have fixed that it would have gone a lot faster a lot smoother than me saying, hey, can I get more acoustic in my monitor? The sound engineer taking time out of his day to go, huh, I'm not getting it. Me getting frustrated to find out it was a, a, a cable that wasn't plugged in. So check, is it plugged in? Number two, is it turned on? And that's a real easy thing. And you might listen to that and go, well, this is like so basic. You know, we're talking about a com complex things here. We're talking about using Ableton Live to control video, to trigger video, to control lights, to uh, trigger uh, program changes on on uh, keyboards, to send MIDI clock to delay pedals. This is this is simple stuff, but I promise you, like ninety five percent, maybe even as high as ninety seven percent of the time. Uh, in some cases, 99% of the time, I, I feel like Anchorman, 99% of the time, it's always this 50% of the time. Um, it, it, it's really easy to miss in this long signal chain, this long flow of things. It's really easy to miss that that one cable is unplugged. You think uh, a computer with an audio interface, with a MIDI interface that's then hitting a network switch that then has four cables that are going to other uh, network switches that are then going to other MIDI interfaces that are then going to multiple computers. You start to see, is it plugged in? Is it turned on? Sounds really basic, really simple. But you start to see when you expand it to this large network of devices, um, man, it's really easy to to miss that. And it's really easy to, to make one Ethernet cable that's not fully seated properly one USB-C cable that's not properly plugged into a computer and you see how everything else falls down. So number one, to help us find the problem, visualize the problem, visualize signal flow, close your eyes, grab, grab a pen and draw this out if you need to on a piece of paper. Number two, change one thing at a time. Test one variable at a time. Don't change multiple things. Uh, number three, start with the simple things. Is it powered on? Is it plugged in? Number four, what's most likely to go wrong? So number four, what's most likely to go wrong? So um, if we think about this signal chain with a mic, mic, XLR cable interface, uh, Thunderbolt cable to computer, uh, cable out of interface into ATEM. The way some people work when they they troubleshoot, um, particularly people, and I got to say, I'm, I'm normally really good at troubleshooting. I'm normally really cool at just staying calm and um, in a live scenario, not freaking out, not panicking. But uh, I'm, I'm normally pretty good at that, but, uh, I have had scenarios where, um, my, you know, my brain's just clouded or whatever, and something goes wrong with my mic and I go, that's it. I got to buy a new interface. I know I, this thing's a piece of junk. I just can't believe blah, blah, blah. And you think about it and you go, okay, between all of those, what do you think is most likely to go wrong? In fact, actually, if you're watching this live on YouTube, uh, I don't, you can't do this on Apple podcasts or Spotify or anything, but if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, uh, watching the replay or watching live, let me know. And that signal chain, post a comment there. What do you think is the most likely thing going between a mic XLR cable interface, cable going from the interface to the, the computer, cable going from the interface to the ATEM mini? What do you think is most likely to go wrong? It's it's not the ATEM. It's not the computer. It's not the interface. It's not even the mic. What's the most likely thing to go wrong? 
guy right there, the the mic cable, right? The actual cable. Sorry for all the crazy audio noise that just happened with me moving that. But uh, it's the cable, like a cable. That's the cheapest uh, component in this whole process is the cable. Now, from there, I would say cable. Uh, then it's probably Thunderbolt cable going between. Um, it's the cable going from the interface to the A10 Mini. Um, that's most likely to go wrong. So those are the things I'm going to check first. I'm going to check, um, the things that are most likely to go wrong is a bonus. There maybe the things that are most, uh, that are easiest to test. So if I'm like sitting right here and I've got an XLR cable next to me, I'm just going to reach down really quickly, replace my XLR cable and try that. Like that's probably the first thing I'm going to do in any scenario. Uh, after checking, is it plugged in? Is the cable fully plugged in? Let's check both ends. Boom. You know, go to the other end, check it. Is it plugged in? Um, and then making sure everything's turned on, you know, uh, similar to that, is it unmuted? Like that's kind of the, the way we want to think really simple things. Uh, we only want to change one thing at a time and we want to think about what's most likely to go wrong. Now, Final step of this fifth thing here is we want to isolate the issue. So we think of our signal flow. Uh, we're only going to change one thing at a time. Uh, we want to start with simple things to test those. Is it turned on? Is it uh, powered up? Is it unmuted? Something like that. Uh, we want to think about what's uh, what's likely to go wrong. And then we want to try to isolate the issue. Um, a perfect example just yesterday. I mean, this has nothing to do with live production, but perfect example yesterday. My neighbor called me. Uh, and said, Hey, I'm having issues with my printer. Uh, I can't print from my computer. Do you mind coming over and helping? I said, sure. And I told him, I said, you know, the one piece of technology you know, we can put someone on the moon, uh, we can send civilians to space, uh, and do space flight. You know, Elon's going to send people to the Mars, uh, to Mars soon. We still cannot create a printer that actually works. We can't create a printer that, that functions properly. So I said, you know, no worry. Let me come over. Let me see if I can help you. So I get over there and I start looking at the printer. And so again, think about the the issue he had that he said, I can't print from my computer to my printer. Um, and so I walk over with his printer. I said, let's isolate the variables here. Let's, let's, let's try just the printer itself as opposed to um, uh, trying the, the computer to print and then, you know, connect to the printer. So I, I ran this test. I tried to just take a piece of paper that he had, scan it in, make a copy isolated the variable. I separated the computer from the printer and realized, it, okay, it's something actually with the printer itself it has nothing to do with the computer. It has something to do with the printer itself. If I went into this and, um, and didn't isolate those variables then I could have spent tons of time going, all right, let's install new print drivers. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, as opposed to going, okay, let's just isolate the variables here and say, let's just try the printer by itself. Does that even work? No, it doesn't. Okay. Then there's no reason to, to move forward. So as you're thinking about that, that signal flow, the signal chain, uh, a common occurrence I do is, um, uh, a common example that I typically use is, um, I've got Ableton live. I've got, let's say a play audio 12. This is going to be pretty complex, but it's, it's happens often. Uh, Ableton live connected to play audio 12, play audio 12, play audio 12 connected to a Mio XM, Mio XM ethernet to a network switch, and then ethernet to another network switch and then ethernet to a computer. On that computer, uh, I am uh, doing an RTP MIDI session that's then accepting MIDI and then is sending that to ProPresenter to change lyrics. And so I have that whole signal path. And the reason I have that signal path is I want to send MIDI cues from Ableton Live to the Play Audio 12 to the Mio XM redundantly. So that if my A computer goes down, my B computer keeps going. I want to send those cues to then control lyrics and ProPresenter, send MIDI cues to control lyrics and ProPresenter. So typically in a scenario like that, 
um, I'm going to isolate variables when I'm, I'm going to think signal flow and I'm going to think in chunks. So first off, uh, you know, I check from Ableton to play audio 12 is my play audio 12 showing that it's getting signal. It's showing that it's getting MIDI signal. If it is great, then I move to the next chain is my Mio XM. And I love the Mio XM because the front panel will flash when it receives MIDI. Um, if I'm sending MIDI notes from Ableton through the play audio 12 to the XM and I don't see it flash on the XM, then I know that the, the problem is from the XM to my computer. Does that make sense? It, I'm not going to then go continue tracing it down because what you see a lot of times, I think with people that, that don't understand troubleshooting will do unnecessary steps thinking, um, okay, I'm going to isolate. I find it's the Mio XM. Uh, and I say, oh, I think it's a Mio XM. And they'll say, oh, do you think I should restart the ProPresenter computer? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should, but th the problem is not with the computer, right? Does that make sense to you? If you can isolate the variable and you can figure out that, okay, um, I'm having an issue somewhere between my computer and the XM, then we're not going to deal with everything from the XM to the computer. Hopefully that makes sense. So again, when it comes to finding the problem, uh, super helpful, uh, visualize the path, the signal flow. Number two, change one thing at a time. Number three, start with the simple things. Is it on? Is it plugged in? Uh, is it unmuted? That that kind of applies to the audio side of things. Uh, number four, what's most likely to go wrong? Don't you know switch out your audio interface and, and buy a brand new mic off Amazon when it's just your XLR cable. Try that first. And then five, and uh, finally here, isolate the issue. Figure out where in the chain, uh, what variable is causing the issue, uh, up until what point does it work, and then work backwards from there. Once you find the issue, work back backwards from there. And apply those same principles. You figure out it's a Mio XM, check your cables, check your power from everything there to there, check your routing, those sorts of things, and you'll find it. But there's a possible scenario um, where you walk through all of that and you still can't find the problem. So yes, at the top, we pause and breathe. Breathe. Number two, we try to find the problem. But number three, what do you do if you can't actually find the problem? I want to introduce you to one of my favorite stories uh, of, um, and this is from the book, The Pragmatic Programmer. And this is the idea of um, in computer development, you're working on software, something is, is, is going wrong and you can't figure out what the problem is. You're working by yourself as a computer uh, software engineer and uh, you're writing tons and tons of code and you're, you go to run it, compile it and run it. And just things are not working. And you're going, man, I just cannot for the life of me figure this out. Right. Uh, and so in the pragmatic programmer, one of the things that the author suggests is uh, rubber ducky debugging. And it's this idea of get a rubber ducky, put it right in front of you and verbally explain the problem to the rubber ducky and go, okay, I'm walking through my code. So in the code, I have this and I have, and almost every time that happens, you'll catch yourself. As soon as you start to, to verbalize it, as soon as you start to say it out loud, you'll catch yourself and you'll discover the problem. Um, if you're around other people and you don't have a rubber ducky, uh, then just talk to someone else. Uh, a example I often give is um, not too long ago, I was at an event with my buddy James and James was running audio and he had to set up a, a floor wedge. Uh, which is uh, something we don't do often in live production, but he had to set up a floor wedge and he had to run uh, a mic to that floor wedge for the speaker to hear. So he's walking through the process and he just could not get the floor wedge to work. And he's, he's just kind of scratching his head like, man, what in the world's happening? So I said, James, walk me through, tell me exactly what you did. And he said, well, I connected the, the wedge, I plugged the, the cable in. Um, and then I went here to this uh, bus and I took it from stereo to mono. Oh, and then he realized as he was saying it, his brain thought, oh, I do this all the time. 
uh, or I've done this all the time in the past and I'm supposed to do these steps. So clearly it's not moving from a stereo bus to a mono bus because I've done that. But then when you verbalize that and you look and you follow it, he, he discovered the problem. So if you have taken a deep breath, number two, you've tried to find the problem and you can't find the problem, then try a little bit of rubber ducky debugging. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be weird, but can you stand here for a second so I could just talk to you and explain this and we'll see if we can prob- uh, find the problem. Now, at that point, um, if, if you walk through all those scenarios and you can't find the problem, the rubber ducky hasn't helped, then just start praying because that's the last the last thing you have for you. But at that point, hopefully you found the problem. So now number four, now that we found the problem, we need to fix the problem. Okay. So when it comes to fixing the problem, this is, there's really two solutions here. I mean, again, I'm going to try to make this super simple. There's really two solutions at this point. Our first solution is to replace it. So, uh, we've discovered that, um, uh, we found the problem and, uh, uh it's a, a cable that's not working from my computer to my play audio 12. Well, at that point, I'm going to replace the cable from what I have to uh, to another cable. I'm going to try a different cable there, right? And if that works, great. We move on. Problem solved. Um, this is a great reason to have redundancy, to have backups, to uh, use a Play Audio 12. So if your first computer you're having issues, but your your second computer is working, then run with that and try to figure out how to fix your first computer while you're running on your second computer. Um, that's a reason to have redundancy, have backups. It's also a reason with cables to have extra cables, like. Uh, that's super important that, uh, you know, I've got these little USB-C cables. Oh, my hard drive fell. I've got these USB-C cables all in my office. I've got a bucket back there and I've got tons of them because, uh, these things go, go bad pretty easily. And I use them for everything from my ATEM to my hard drives, to my audio interface. Uh, and so I've got extra cables. I'm not going to show up to a gig with one cable and hoping that that's going to work. I always say that hope is a terrible backup plan. Don't hope that something's going to work. Actually have a backup plan. Actually do the work to test it. Uh, be prepared. Spend the time to be prepared, and you're going to end up being good. Um, so we have the option of replacing it, right? We use a backup cable. Hopefully we've got a backup cable. But what's our second option here? Maybe to swap it out to back it up um, uh, is going to take too long. Maybe you goofed and you don't have a backup. What's our second option here? It's to go without it. And that's not a great thing to hear, but, um, hopefully you have a backup plan before you go into this situation. If tracks go wrong, if tracks go down, if we lose uh pro presenter lyric automation, what's our backup plan? Maybe our backup plan is we have someone manually trigger. Maybe if the sound engineer manually reach over and as she's running sound, it's not going to be great, but as she's running sound, she's pressing space bar on lyrics and is aware enough that like, that's something we're going to have to do. You know, that's not, we're not going to plan on it, but we're going to plan that if there were something to go wrong, uh, then that's what we're going to do. Hopefully you've got a backup plan. Um, the second option is if you don't have a backup plan, then we're going to learn really quickly just to get by without it. So, um, you know, maybe we just go without lyrics for that particular set. Maybe we don't use that video that we have. Uh, that's a great moment in the moment to communicate with the band, the people on stage that if, uh, before song three, we have a video that starts song three and we don't have, uh, the ability to trigger that from Ableton and the sound engineer can't reach over and trigger, uh, the video and pro presenter, then I'm going to get on a talkback mic or I'm going to do some sort of signal like I'm, uh, calling, um, uh, you know, plays in a baseball game. 
to let the band know, okay, no video at the beginning, no video. We're just going to go right into the song. And so it's not great. Again, hopefully you have a backup plan. Hopefully you have redundancy. Hopefully you have spare cables, whatever. Hopefully you've made a plan before you get into it. But if you didn't, that's okay. We're just in that moment going to communicate like, Hey, we have to run without this or Hey, we have to run without click and tracks. And then after that moment, after that, that time, that's hopefully when you go back and say, okay, how do we make sure this never happens again? You, as an individual, you own it, you own the responsibility and say, here's what happened. I discovered the problem. I didn't have enough time to fix it. Here's how to fix that in the future. Cause the problem, the thing is things are going to go wrong. Murphy is consistent. She shows up every time. Uh, and if something can't go wrong, it will go wrong. And so you've got to have a backup plan. Um, and again, we all make mistakes. If you made a mistake and something went wrong, fine on it learn from it and don't repeat it again. So when it comes to troubleshooting, really we're doing two things. We're trying to find the problem. We're trying to fix the problem, right? Um, walk back through these steps. If, if that helps you, uh, just as a reminder of how to troubleshoot quickly, how to quickly find the problem, uh, go buy, buy a little rubber ducky. If you need to borrow your kids, rubber ducky that they used in the bath, if you need to, uh, and set it, you know, right on your, your rack, right on your road case. So that, um, as you're trying to discover your problem, you can reach over and talk to, uh, talk to the rubber ducky. So hopefully that helps you again. Troubleshooting is super important. Um, I, I think it's the most important skill for anyone in live production to have. Like it's just going to make your life so much easier. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed that episode again. Um, I know I've said this for the past year. This may be one of the most important episodes I've done, um, from a very like practical, uh, tactical standpoint. Um, if you're going to be anyone that performs on stage, really, if you're going to be a playback tech, if you're going to be any like production tech of any kind, you have to have a calm head. You have to be calm, cool, and collected when things go wrong. And you have to have a process for troubleshooting. And this is something that I don't think most people spend time thinking about. If you're a nerd like me, you've probably thought about systematically how to do this, but this is something that, that people miss all the time. Um, I have found in my life, if I'm not in the game regularly, if, if I'm not trying to solve problems and troubleshoot things, uh, regularly, I tend to lose some of, um, uh, you know, my groove, uh, you know, it's like how Stella got a groove back, how Will gets his groove back when it comes to troubleshooting. Um, I've got to stay in the game and I, and I tend to miss it often. I will share one of the things out of this episode. So that whole like systematic process is super important, but to me, one of the things that is uh, still rings true for me that is very easy to gloss over and is very easy to miss, but I apply this often is what I talk about the rubber ducky method. And that's that idea of like computer programmers, again, having a little rubber ducky and saying, um, uh, talking to the rubber ducky, explaining the problem to the rubber ducky. Um, because here's the power of that. Again, you may kind of laugh and chuckle. And I've thought about like buying little rubber duckies to give out at events or to subscribers or something to remind them of the power of this, but it is incredibly incredibly, incredibly powerful because, um, there's something about verbally saying that and saying it out loud that I promise you, when you do that, you'll, you'll solve your own issues. You'll, you'll go, Oh yeah, that's it. That makes perfect sense. I can't believe I didn't think about that. That's duh. That's so obvious. So I would highly encourage you to, to buy a rubber ducky. I would highly encourage you to find like a troubleshooting buddy that you can call when things go wrong or in the moment, just say, Hey, can I talk through this with you? And nine times out of 10, when I do that, the person doesn't tell me what the solution is. It's just the very fact of me taking it out of my brain and, and, and saying that out of my mouth. I go, there it is. Obviously that makes sense. Um, so I would encourage you to do that again. If you're going to be in a tech position, if you're going to be on stage, if you are not even maybe a tech 
person, but if you're the one person in your band that tends to be the person that solves problems when things go wrong, um, think about your process for troubleshooting. Maybe it's not the same as what I said. Maybe for your line of work, for you as a drummer, for you as a, a lighting designer, whatever it is, um, I don't know that we have a lot of lighting designers listen to the podcast, but whatever it is that you're doing, maybe tweak that process a bit, but make sure it applies to your scenario. But whatever you do, you've got to have a process. You've got to have a system in place that you can follow uh, so that when things go wrong, you can recover. Now, a system and a process is super important, not just when things go wrong, but just in understanding how to perform on stage with Ableton Live in general, in a way that's flexible, stable, and efficient. And you can learn some of that on YouTube. I would encourage you to check out my content, but where you're really going to learn that is by heading to fromstudiostage.com slash subscribe. Becoming a From Studio to Stage student, you're going to get access to every single course I've ever created. You'll get credits where you can use to purchase templates that I've created that will save you hours and hours of time and lots and lots of effort. And I would encourage you to end the year strong and become a From Studio to Stage student so that going into 2023, you'll have that process to troubleshoot. You'll have the process to perform on stage efficiently, uh, effectively, uh, in a way that's stable and gives you lots of flexibility uh, with tracks. So again, to get access to that, head to fromstudiostages.com slash subscribe to learn all the details there. And if you're not ready for that, consider subscribing here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, head over to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon so you see exactly when I go live. I post a brand new tutorial every single day at 10 a.m. Central. Don't want you to miss it. Um, let's finish the year strong. Either subscribe on YouTube, definitely becoming from studio to stage student. But most importantly, join me next week because I'm gonna share the, the one episode this year that I think I titled um, incredibly wrong. I think it's probably the one episode most of you didn't listen to. Uh, and it has something that is a jewel. That's something you do not want to miss. Join me next week on Behind the Space Bar. Take care, everybody. Bye.